Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Sprinkler Nerd Show. I've been working really hard to find different topics to share with you that can range from irrigation and estimating and sales and technology to lawn care and landscaping and potentially agricultural and green roof applications going forward. And today's guest is Tom Kelly. He's a professional in the organic and natural lawn care space. He has many, many years in the lawn care services industry, and he has founded multiple companies from lawn care companies to organic fertilizer companies. Today, he is the founder of Be Safe Lawns. He's also the founder of MyLawnQuote.com and the founder of Lawnmark Professional Services. We're going to get into soil biology on this episode, irrigation, best practices for healthy lawns. And I think there's going to be a lot of valuable nuggets here that are not specifically irrigation related, however, do cross over into irrigation. So without further ado, let's jump right in with our discussion with Tom Kelly. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. Tom, welcome to the Sprinkler Nerd Show. So glad to have you on today. Hey, thank you, Andy. I'm glad to be here. It's been a long time and I'm glad we could hook up. You know, we don't keep in touch regularly, but we have been connected on some social media for quite some time. And you and I first met probably about 10 years ago when I was experimenting in the eco lawn business myself with my eco mower and push reel lawn mowers. And that was right around the time I pitched on Shark Tank. And if I remember, you and I caught up one time up in New Hampshire and had a drink together and sort of kicked off our relationship. So I think that's where it all started. And I wanted to bring you on because you're an expert in organic lawn care. So I thought that since this podcast is for not only irrigation professionals, but also for landscape and lawn care professionals, that this would be something fun to talk about. So welcome. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I think we actually knew each other before that somehow. When we were talking the other day, I could not remember how or where we first crossed paths, but I believe it was even before the mower thing. It's been a long time. It's been quite a few years. And I kind of watch you, let's just say from afar, and I know you've got three or four really cool businesses going on. Maybe you can just tell us who you are, what you do, and what you've got going right now. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So we do. We've got multiple things going on. The phrase I use to describe our business is everything is vertically integrated. I got into lawn care a long time ago at this point in 1993, believe it or not. I won a few people who are still around who work for a company called Barefoot Grass. And then Barefoot Grass sold to True Green like all companies tend to do at some point. And at that point, partner and I went and started a company called The Lawn Dog in New Hampshire. We did real well with that. And we ended up selling it in, I think it was 2008. We sold it to private equity. And then that's when I went and kind of got into things that are more wrapped around the reduction of chemicals and pesticides. Not necessarily always strictly 100% organic, but at the time we could kind of sense that there was a growing demand for fewer chemicals just with everything in life, right? The trend was more natural, use safer cleaners, more homeopathic solutions to everything. So that's when we started to manufacture some organic lawn care products that revolved around soil biology. We first launched them through a company called Firebelly Organic Lawn Care, which was a direct-to-consumer DIY brand. 
which got some pretty decent traction over a couple of years. And I was approached by an investor. I'm giving you like the 20 year rundown in like 45 seconds here. That's awesome. Keep going. It's great. Yeah. We were approached by an investor who wanted to take the product line that we had worked on and basically invented and bring it to a more commercial audience. And he had a really neat business plan or sort of platform, which was really different than anything I'd ever heard before. And at the time, we really weren't looking to bring on partners or anything because Firebelly was doing well. But he suggested that we turn it into what's known as a dealer network. And that looks and feels a lot like a franchise, but there aren't all the things that go along with franchise law, meaning, you know, there's not an enormous buy-in. There isn't royalties moving forward. The businesses maintain complete control of their own business. So what it is, is you come to a training, we call it Be Safe Lawns. You come to a training, the training does come with a fee. And with that, you learn all about organic lawn care or how to use fewer chemicals and how to throw other things in there, how to run your business, how to market your business. You get access to the branding, you get support. You know, we have a really cool big Facebook group. We have conference calls every week. And we develop sort of this almost a co-op of lawn and landscape companies across the country that are all trying to do the same thing, meaning take advantage of this demand for organic lawn care. Interesting. So a dealer is the service provider. The dealer is not a retailer or traditional distributor. They're the lawn care provider. Exactly correct. And it does sound a little funny when you say dealer, you automatically assume that you're going to sell products that are branded by another maybe parent company or bigger company. The dealer is actually an applicator. So we do kind of call it an applicator network sometimes, but legally it's a dealer network. And those members of the network are applicators that go out and you know offer fertilization services. So yeah, you got it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So my first thought on dealer is, you know, think of a lawnmower. It's a dealer. There's lawnmower sitting in a showroom. So that's a dealer. But I get it. I like that. So the lawn care applicator is the dealer network and the customer isn't going to buy your product anywhere else except through their dealer. Correct. In fact, the customer or the end user, the homeowner hires the applicator to treat their lawn. That applicator uses the Be Safe products on the lawn. We always suggest that they set it up with BeSafe being sort of a secondary brand. So it's Tom and Andy's lawn care service, a certified BeSafe applicator. So the homeowner hires Tom and Andy's to fertilize their lawn. If they're on the organic program, they're going to use the BeSafe product. Awesome. Makes sense. I like it. Yeah. And along the way doing that, we develop a software program called My Lawn Quote, which allows lawn and landscape companies to streamline their marketing process, and their estimating process. We have a service business called Lawnmark Plus, which is really the prototype business for what a BeSafe applicator looks like. And that thing has grown faster than we really thought it was going to. So everything's vertically integrated. Everything kind of works up and down and off each other. Okay. So the first thing it was the Be Safe, the dealer network, and that's the access to the product. You give training, there's marketing uh, support, product support. And then I like the term you mentioned, vertically integrated. So the next business, if you will, it vertically integrates is mylawnquote.com. Let's talk about that for a moment because that did, I remember when you launched that and I remember being fascinated by it and it didn't directly relate to irrigation, but I think that there could be in the future some opportunities there. What is mylawnquote.com? So as a marketer, and I've seen the way lawn care services market their business change 
drastically over the last 25 years or so. And, you know, as we were talking about earlier, it used to be that you could just hire some people, buy a list and just telemarket for eight hours a day and generate as many leads as you wanted to. And hang door hangers now. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But with telemarketing, when the federal do not call registry got put into place, it really killed it, which made, you know, the even bigger companies like True Green need to figure out how to replace that. And they would do things like door hanging or door knocking, which was almost like telemarketing in person. But, you know, we kind of looked at all of that. And I guess it's my own personal feelings or beliefs that no matter how you generate a lead, it's going to cost you more now. And if you can't respond to that lead almost instantly, then you're going to lose the sale more often than not. So we looked at ease of use when it comes to marketing, especially as it pertains to lawn care. Ease of use is the most important thing. So what my lawn quote does is it allows a provider or a lawn care service to get an estimate or say somebody sees a, your truck. Let's pick something really simple. Somebody says, hey, you know, calls you up and says, hey, I saw your truck in my neighborhood. Could, I, could you do an estimate for me? In the past, what you'd do is enter that information, print an estimate, give it to a guy. He'd go out, run the lead, bring it back to the office. You know, and if you're not busy, that takes a minimum of two or three days anyways. In the springtime when we're all so busy, you know, we don't even see our family. Sometimes it takes, you know, a week. But with MLQ, what we do is it, it allows us to take that information. It's real simple too. It's nothing super complicated. You're able to measure the property based on satellite imagery and then send an estimate to that homeowner based on the size of that property and your predetermined services that you've, you know, you've uploaded in the back end and your pricing and all that. You just email them an estimate and it takes literally like one minute. So what used to take a week, you can do in a minute. You can do it while you have them on the phone still. So we looked at that ease of use and we knew that if we were going to have fewer leads that we're going to cost more, our closing percent better be higher. And that's exactly what Mylon Quote does. That is awesome. For me, I know, and probably for your applicators, there's something not fun about scheduling someone to come to your house oh, yeah. and either meet with you, ask you questions, walk your lawn. It's just sort of like, oh, really? You got to do all that? Yeah. I can't just tell you the neighborhood I live in and the acreage and just email me a quote. That seems like your customers will be happier and therefore close potentially at a higher percentage because you're meeting their needs of you know, time is precious. Just send me the quote. Long gone. This is a phrase I always use. Long gone are the days of sitting down at the table and having a cup of coffee and discussing the lawn care fertilization program. People don't even, they don't want to see you. It's something they want to check off their list. They don't want you to come out. You do obviously still get, you know, people who have specific needs and want to, you know, walk the lawn with you. But 99% of the time, they just want a price and they want it fast. They don't want to hang out with you. Right. So could somebody who's listening to this episode visit mylawnquote.com and utilize this software or is it only for your dealer network? Yeah, no, it is available to other lawn care companies. We kind of shifted a few years ago and it, it, it is part of when you join the BeSafe network, you do get a lifetime subscription to it. So currently there's not a ton of effort being put into marketing or selling the program because it's at the bottom of the list of the vertical integration. But uh, yeah, it's available to, to anybody who wants to use it. Sure. Awesome. So if you're listening to this and you mow lawns or do lawn care and, and applications, take a look, visit mylawnquote.com and check it out. So then the third vertically integrated business unit that you mentioned was Lawnmark. Tell yeah. us about Lawnmark. Lawnmark is 
exactly what I started doing when I entered the industry in 1993. So it's a service business. To give a comparison, it's True Green, right? So True Green or Scott's, which is now True Green, but you know, just a lawn care fertilization business that we set up to really show the BeSafe applicators how to do it, how to run a business, you know, what the marketing looks like, what production looks like, what you know, even financials look like. And when we started it, we kind of weren't expecting to grow it as much as we have, but really done very well in the last five years. And so we offer at Lawnmark a standard lawn care fertilization program. We also offer the BeSafe programs. There are two programs is what we call premium organic lawn care and is what we call optimized organic lawn care. And we set Lawnmark up to look exactly like how we want our BeSafe applicators to run their business. So that's grown significantly and has kind of taken on a life of its own, which is cool because it's what we love to do. It's going real well. Yeah. And I would think that to some extent you are able by starting and running and growing Lawnmark, maybe able to stand in the shoes of your BeSafe customers and understand potential pain points or discover pain points that they may have because you've got a similar business. And so maybe what's good for Lawnmark is good for your dealer network too. That's exactly boots on the ground, man. And everybody has the same problems, you know, crabgrass, <laughs> crabgrass or expectations that are a little bit too high. We're all running the same exact kind of business. And you're so right about that, Andy. We're all experiencing the same pain points. You're right. Mm-hmm. So then as it relates to more natural lawn care and organic lawn care, I know we don't have two hours to talk about it, but are there some basics that people should know that don't know the difference between an organic lawn care service and a traditional lawn care service? Yeah. And a lot of times it comes down to semantics, to be honest with you. And it can get confusing. It really can, especially with the way more and more across the country, municipalities or school systems or even counties and states are introducing more and more legislation to reduce pesticides. And there are places where it is an extreme pesticide ban, which means they have to kind of define what can and can't be used. And there are such things as organic pesticides. There are situations where a chemical pesticide, according to a, a label, might be safer than a particular organic pesticide. So the semantics really begin to get muddy. And you know, there are organizations that try to define what's acceptable and what's not. NOFA is a good example. It's called the Northeast Organic Farming Association. They put out a set of standards that a lot of municipalities use because it gets super confusing. And a lot of times you see people who are trying to put forth that legislation or developing the legislation or just activists who are pushing for legislation. They aren't always as educated in what we do as we'd like to see them. And as a result, sometimes things get passed that are kind of unrealistic. So, you know, hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. So you put that aside when we talk about organic lawn care, we're really trying to talk about taking advantage of soil biology and not only introducing specific strains of bacteria or fungi, and that's what the BSA products are all about. So, you know, something that most people can wrap their head around is compost or compost tea where, you know, they might be filled with beneficial bacteria. So we manufacture products that put out those beneficial microorganisms into the lawn and into the soil. We also work on trying to help the indigenous species of microorganisms 
proliferate. And by reducing the chemicals that we're using, by not overly applying herbicides and you know, pre-emergence and things like that, the soil begins to kind of come back to life on its own where it's been sterile. So everything revolves around the soil. Everything revolves around trying to improve the soil and get more life into it. A lawn that's been treated chemically for, you know, for, for 10, 15, 20 years has no soil biology. The soil is basically dead. And the turf is essentially growing from the soil based on how much fertilizer you apply to it. That's why you see a lot of times chemical lawns, if they don't continuously get fed and demand more and more nitrogen specifically, they look terrible. If you go a month without fertilizing the lawn, it's literally like a drug addict metaphor. And, you know, it needs more and more to to look better and better. So, you know, we could spend two hours talking about the definition of organics, but the point is that you need to focus on soil biology. I don't think you need to be as super strict as some of those sets of standards want you to be. There's room for rescue treatments just because you use maybe a rescue treatment of customer has a million weeds they, they want to get rid of and you find it's going to be much more effective and quick to use a one-time chemical application and then convert to organic. It doesn't mean you're damned. You know, there has to be a little mm-hmm. bit of leeway. But So it all begins with soil biology. It all begins with reduction of pesticides and we call that reduction as a means to elimination. So this may seem like a silly question. So if someone digs in the dirt and irrigators, you know, digging, working in the soil and the soil is black and it feels like a nice sandy loam, let's say, just because it's black and it molds well in your hand, it could still be, or let me ask you, could it still be a dead soil? Yeah, it could be because it all depends on what's been applied to it. For instance, a fungicide, right? So you could have beautiful bluegrass growing out of wonderful sandy loam and have an outbreak of summer patch or leaf spot or something. And if you go out and decide the, to get rid of it by applying a curative fungicide and then applying preventative fungicides to make sure it never comes back, a fungicide is literally something that will kill fungi, right? And there are many, many beneficial fungi that, you know, we talk about good guys versus bad guys. And you want the beneficial of the good fungi to help kind of sequester nutrients around the root system of the turf and prevent additional disease. But if you're wiping all of that out, you're really hurting the soil. So that's, you know, I guess over the course of a long, long time, that nice sandy loam, the organic matter, and it would begin to decrease. But you could have dirt that looks good and still not be healthy for sure. Is there any way to determine the livelihood of the soil? How do you test it or how do you know if your soil is dead or alive? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, there's really the eyeball test to start with. Like you just said, if it looks healthy, it probably is pretty healthy. If it smells earthy, it's probably pretty healthy. If it looks good, it probably is pretty good. And then the more organic matter in the soil, the more darker the soil is going to be. Organic matter is is an important component. But now there are soil tests that you can do that will give you really a roadmap for what's in the soil. It's called a bioassay. We'll do them on big projects. You know, they're a little bit more expensive than a regular chemical soil test. You know, you're talking a couple hundred dollars, so you certainly don't want to do that on all of your customers. But you know, if we're working on a big project, for instance, we take care of the baseball stadium for the Manchester Fisher Cats, the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. It's a minor league baseball stadium. They got a grant to be the first professional baseball stadium to convert to organic. So we started with a bioassay. We saw exactly what the makeup was of the soil in terms of all the microorganisms, bacteria, fungi, nematodes, anything you can think of. 
and we can literally manufacture a product with specific strains of fungi and bacteria and whatever it needs to match up with what that soil kind of demands. So you can get super technical. There are tests you can do to find out exactly what's in the soil. But again, it's, it's a little bit pricey nowadays. Hopefully that will begin to come down as it gets more and more popular. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. Is there something that an irrigation professional should look out for, be careful with? How does water affect the viability and livelihood of the soil? Man, that's another thing we could go on for a couple hours. So let's just hit a couple of basics. One, if turf is being significantly over irrigated, and you know, especially you irrigation guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Let me ask you there. So we can all say that irrigation systems over water, but what yeah. should you look for specifically to determine that, yes, this is being overwatered? How would you know? A lot of turf disease, right? So right off the bat, the two basic ones, red thread and leaf spot. Red thread is probably the most common because it is specifically due to too much irrigation, due to too much overwatering. Then I guess if you want to talk about summertime diseases like summer patch, you know what we used to call fusarium blight or, or those kind of things, when you're overwatering during the humidity or overwatering uh, too much at night. So anytime there's too much irrigation, and all you guys know this, you can cause all kinds of funny turf disease things that are going on. Biology, and specifically the biology that we're applying and the biology that we're promoting in the soil, comes right down to good guys versus bad guys. If you've got more beneficial fungi than bad guy fungi, then those turf diseases are not going to be able to manifest themselves. They're not going to become visible. So irrigation certainly plays a major role in the promotion of turf disease and, and funguses. Okay. And that's helpful too, because I think, correct me, I think I just heard you say that if the lawn is unhealthy, over irrigating is going to be more severe. If the lawn is healthier, you can over irrigate, but it won't be as severe because you have more good guys there to fight the bad guys. Yeah. In terms of turf disease. Yeah, absolutely. If the soil right. is healthy and alive with biology, the fungus is going to kind of show up or manifest itself because of overwatering or humidity or anything like that is kind of I'll say it again, good guys versus bad guys. If there are more good guys than there are bad guys, then that turf disease isn't going to show up. Okay, this is a good segue into my next question I just was thinking about here while you were talking. Who should be setting the control box? Who should be determining how much water, the irrigation professional or the lawn care professional? Is that a loaded question right there? Is that, is that No, a, not, not at all. I just think that... <laughs> By default, irrigation guys do. However, we're not schooled in turf disease and such. So you know, I would say that most of the time they set it with a pretty good understanding of where it should be, but then you know walk away until the next time the homeowner decides to pay them to come back. And it could be that the lawn care professional is there more often applicating and maybe should be adjusting the timer. Yeah, so one thing I like, especially talking to you or other irrigation professionals is the technology that's coming out more recently is that there's less setting and more automation. So that's going to be helpful down the road. I do think that there's a major disconnect with homeowners with what a lawn needs in terms of irrigation. And as you guys all know, more isn't better. And sometimes people think that you know, yeah, I'm going to run it every day, three times a day for an hour a day. And that's just, you know, obviously way too much. So the question of who should set it 
when you get right down to it, the homeowner has the ultimate responsibility for how the irrigation system runs. And it depends so much on the weather and the time of year and everything else. But there is, I don't want to say ignorance, but there is a super disconnect. We used to work with a guy years ago who would every summer go off on a rant about how, you know, homeowners, you know, you at somebody's house, there's two cars in the, in the driveway, you know, there's a Mercedes, there's older kids going to college, it's a million dollar home or whatever. Somebody's doing really, really well. They've gone to college, they're living a very good life. But when it comes to figuring out how to water the lawn, they don't even have a clue. There's that disconnect. And you can cause problems. You can mess it up. You guys know that over or underwater and can create all kinds of problems. So who's, who's ultimately responsible for it? You know, when it comes to residential stuff, it's the homeowner and they need to be able to listen to the sprinkler guy, to the lawn guy and, and be able to implement those changes when need be. When it comes to commercial or athletic or something municipal bigger than that, it's obviously the site manager in conjunction with whoever's in charge of the system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I think you're right. And I think oftentimes the homeowner tries and then they F it up and then the sprinkler guy comes back and he wants to charge for a service and probably can most of the time. But then sometimes it gets pushed back from the homeowner that it's not working right. And I paid for this and it yeah. was supposed to. And it's like, dude, you got into this clock and messed it up. I got to charge you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, the disconnect is severe. I'm sure you guys deal with it as much as lawn guys do. It's uh, And plus, sometimes you need a friggin' doctorate to learn how to figure out how to use those controls, too, by the way. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I'll look <laughs> yeah. at, like, where do I even start with this? Right. So let's see. You had mentioned that in the heat of the summer can be an opportunity for disease to take over. Are there certain things that you look for that you would know, let's say, New Hampshire, okay, this week... XYZ weather's coming in. We should all be aware. What are you looking for with that temperature and humidity and such? Yeah, absolutely. When we're looking at a real humid stretch, just using New Hampshire as an example, let's say it's in the 90s and the evening temperatures or the nighttime temperatures remain really high. And we all know those nights. You know, I talk to people in the South and I'm like, yeah, it's 90. It's really hot. And they're like laughing at me. Like, oh, it was 112. And this is because the grass types in the Northeast are different than Alabama. Oh, totally. Yep. Totally. Is that warm the season. Okay. Yeah. Warm season, cool season turf are two total, almost different plants. But in the North where we're dealing with that summer heat and humidity, and a homeowner might see the turf begin to show some what they think is drought stress, right? Or some heat stress. They crank up that irrigation. They add an extra cycle to go off at 8 p.m. or something. And they might be running it for a half hour per zone. And they do that for a week. So that turf is basically staying soaking wet overnight during high humidity that's when we know we're going to start to look for certain and particular diseases. You obviously can water your lawn at night, but when you go through those stretches where it's really humid and really hot, it's better to not do that because it's going to fire up those types of diseases. What type of humidity are you talking about? What numbers like specifically, is it over 50%, 80%, 90%? Yeah. So like, especially in the evening, if your evening temperatures are in, in the seventies or they don't get below 70 and that's pretty hot for evening temperatures and your humidity might be also in the 70s, the dew points, you know, above the 60s. And it's just those bad sleeping nights where if you don't have the air conditioner going, you just, you toss and turn. So, and each disease or each fungus has specific points with that too. When the temperature reaches a certain point or the dew point reaches a certain point and humidity is at a certain point, that's when those 
you know, those pathogens are always there in the soil. It's when the conditions get just right, they're able to make an appearance. So, you know, everything's a little bit different. The summer ones can be really destructive too. The cosmetic ones in the spring will come and go, but the summer ones, you know, can really cause some permanent damage. Hmm. I'm trying to think in the minds of a residential irrigation professional. Let's say they have 350 accounts and it's in New Hampshire. They're probably not doing this and I don't know that they should, but if the temperature conditions met that, i.e. 75 degrees at night, not dropping below and 75% humidity, maybe they should blast an email out to their customers and say, hey, we're rolling into a week where disease tends to set in. You know, please don't adjust your sprinklers up. If anything, if you could turn them off, that would prevent disease from spreading in your lawn. Yeah. And from a lawn care perspective, that's what we do. Also, we call them lawn care red alert. You know, we'll send out some guidelines with irrigation or mowing or whatever. And, you know, when you want to kind of convert to that touch as being an opportunity to market and, you know, maybe there's an upsell in there somewhere. Maybe you can, you know, if you're not super busy, if you put out that email, say, we can come out and make that adjustment for you. Just do a quick, you know, audit or whatever. When you do have those opportunities for communication, it's always an opportunity you know, for an upsell too. Right. Absolutely. It's a good call. You could put it at the end of the email, just hit reply and we'll be out there in the next, you know, couple days. Yeah. Right. Yep. Exactly. Good. Okay. Let's see anything else. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the different businesses that you're in. We've had a good discussion about organic lawn care and soil biology. Is there anything else that you think irrigation specifically, but also landscapers and lawn care professionals should know about as it relates to natural and organic lawn care? Yeah, there really is an opportunity, especially with landscapers. And I guess, you know, we're not talking specifically irrigation companies that only do irrigation, but landscape contractors who get involved with a lot of things, meaning they might have 50 services that they offer. Things can get pretty complicated. There's moving parts, a lot of moving parts. There's absolutely an opportunity to introduce something like this into what you're doing. It fits with what you do. You've already got the customer base. You've got the mindset. You know what you're doing. And the bigger companies really aren't changing. You know, you and I were talking about this off the call too, that those bigger companies aren't really looking forward and saying, how are we going to adjust? You know, they're so big that people always say, hey, what are you going to do if True Green starts doing organic? And I'm like, you know, that'd be awesome because then, you know, the... (laughs) The rising tide raises all ships or whatever that cliche is, you know, and they have experimented with some organic, but very little, you know, they're not interested in changing the way they do things. And that goes for all those big contractors. So as the demand grows from the consumer for things to be done a little bit differently, there's a nice little niche in there, especially for contractors that have space for it. Those landscape contractors and everybody's listening and knows how unpredictable things are. You might have a great year with construction one year and have nothing the next year. It's just always up and down. The lawn care fertilization business is nice and steady. It's really predictable. It's in demand. It fits in with what you do. So, you know, there's opportunity. Awesome. And what would be the best way if somebody wanted to learn more about what you have going on or reach out to you directly? How can they do that? Probably the best place to start is we have a website called, it's just kellygreenllc.net. And that is a real simple little website with all of our vertically integrated companies kind of spelled out some contact information there. So kellygreenllc.net and there's no E in Kelly, it's just K-E-L-L-Y. There's any internet search for Be Safe Lawns or, or Lawnmark or anything like that. We're easy to find. 
Okay. Very cool. Well, thanks so much, Tom, for uh, joining us today. It's been awesome. I've learned a lot and appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. It was nice talking to you. All right. Catch you next time. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. That was awesome, guys. Thanks so much for joining us today. I know I made a bunch of notes while talking to Tom. Specifically, my biggest notes are as it relates to organic lawn care, really focusing on the soil biology, the bacteria, the fungi, compost tea, and the indigenous species, keeping them alive in the soil. I think the other tip that I took away from Tom was looking out for summertime high heat and humidity temperatures. Again, this would be specific to the Northeast. And Tom mentioned temperatures staying overnight in the 70s with over 70% humidity. If that is going to be the case, you may consider communicating with your clients, letting them know that we're moving into a disease-prone week and they should look to minimize irrigation during that time. So again, I appreciate everybody listening. And if you'd like to leave us a comment on iTunes, we'd certainly really appreciate it. Any feedback or comments that you have, we would love to hear them. And guys, I would love to hear from you directly. Sometimes when I am recording into this microphone here, I wonder if anyone's even listening. I know that you are because I can see the views in my Libsyn account. However, if you want to reach out to me directly, I would love to hear from you. You can email me. My address is andy at sprinklernerd.com. Don't be shy. Send me an email. Tell me where you're from, what you do. Tell me a joke. I don't care. I would just love to know that someone else is out there. So if you want to shoot me an email, I would love to hear from you. And I think that's going to wrap it up. So until next time, guys, happy sprinkling, and we'll talk to you then.